In today's show, we're going to recap the action in the NBA from Thursday and then preview Friday. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Five games on Thursday for us to talk about. Um, so we're going to do that right now. No, uh, no mucking around. Let's get straight into them. The first game we take a look at the Philadelphia 76ers. They get the win over the Heat 125-108. The Heat... They were without Avery Bradley, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Goran Dragic, Kendrick Nunn, Mo Harkless, Casey Okpala, a bunch of guys out. So we've got that same Motley Crew starting lineup. And I'll tell you who else played well again, Gabe Vincent. 35 minutes for Gabe, 21 points with 8 assists. Now, he's not going to get 30% usage. He's not going to get the opportunity to get 8 assists. But he looks like at least a solid NBA rotation player. And what more could you really ask for? He had 30 fantasy points in this one. And when he gets this opportunity, or if he gets this opportunity again, at least someone to watch. Dunk Robinson had 22 points with four threes. I'd sell the absolute shit out of him. Um, again, opportunities with more shots, more minutes, which don't come when everyone's healthy. I'd try and sell if I could. Same with Tyler Hero. Now, Hero, um, yeah, I thought he looked pretty good, 17, 6, and 3. But we've seen a, a pattern with him that when he is the guy like this, he plays well. And when other guys are around, he sort of fades off. So if you can get any sort of top 70 player where some people will value Tyler, uh, I would do that in a trade. Everyone has a hero. True. Zero people shouldn't have a hero. Yeah, yeah. Terrible night from Precious Archua from the free throw line. He had 10 and 11, which is a double-double, but not much else. Two of six from the line, and he just goes back to his 16 to 18-minute-a-night roll. Um, a solid enough stream for the short term, but that's not going to last, of course. Well, Olenek had 12, 6, and 4, and I do like Kelly Olenek long-term for sure in 12-team leagues. For the Sixers, they welcomed back every welcomed back everyone apart from the injured Furkan Korkmaz and Seth Curry. So the rotation got a little bit confusing. Tyrese Maxey started, but played only 26 minutes. He had 15 points. I, I think we're pretty safe to drop Maxey in 12-team leagues, unless you want to hold for the weekend doubleheader, the Saturday-Sunday back-to-back. You can hold him there, but yeah, with these guys coming back, his role was obviously going to be reduced. I think he still looks awesome for the future, but Shake Milton was amazing. 31 points in 27 minutes. He's not a 73% shooter. We know that. But he added seven assists. He had two steals. He had a block. He was actually unbelievably good here. He had 52 fantasy points in this one. He's like a 106th ranked player in fantasy points leagues over the course of the season. He's 89th in category leagues. Now, I don't. there's a lot there that I don't think is sticking. His uh, shooting is really, really good at the moment. And he is benefiting from the fact that Seth Curry is out. You have him. You roster him. Uh, he's available in a lot of leagues. So go and add him. And then maybe you look to sell high. You see what happens when Seth comes back. But use this as an ad and then a springboard into a sell before Curry returns. thought Isaiah Joe was pretty good as well. 12 points, four threes. He's going to place pressure on Matisse Thibel and on Furkan Korkmaz for their rotation spots. He had 12 points there. While Toby Harris, the thick Hogsman, he's back. Um, I think I am a TH. T to the H. Yeah, TH for life. 
He looked pretty good. 30 minutes, 18 points, four rebounds, two assists, but we've seen those defensive numbers, which made him the 12th ranked player after a couple of weeks, they're falling off. Dan Green had 12 and six. He's a back-end 12-team league guy, but I haven't talked about Joel Embiid, and I'll tell you why, because he was really bad, and the, they didn't need him, but he, was, he wasn't good. Nine points in 24 minutes, 38% shooting, five boards, no blocks, just an absolute turd of a night. Now, Embiid before today was the second ranked player. He is now the seventh ranked player, so that cost him a few spots in the rankings. He's sixth in fantasy points leagues. He had just 17 fantasy points in this game. Just a horrible, horrible night. He will be better than that, of course. It just was not his night at all. Mike Scott also had to end his night early due to a knee issue, so hopefully his knee is okay. He's obviously battled some problems with that throughout the course of the year. Let's go on to the next game now. We have got the Charlotte Hornets with a big fourth quarter comeback. They just didn't get over the line against the Raptors who win 111-108. LaMelo Ball only 26 minutes, but does it even matter? 14-6-11, three steals, a block, two triples. Go watch the last two minutes of this game and if you want to see LaMelo Ball. Now, I talked about this on Twitter yesterday. I don't think I've talked about it on the show, but I said it yesterday. I go, well, is there anyone who wouldn't draft LaMelo number one if they did the draft now? And there were plenty of people who didn't. And I, I cannot fathom it. I can't. This guy has absolute star upside to me. The only person, I think, in this class who has that star superstar upside. And look, I think he's been fantastic. He was just amazing down the end of this game. Great game from Paul Washington as well. 20 and 11 with two blocks, 50% shooting and 83 from the line. This is a guy that was going at like 40 and 60 at one, at one point, and it's good to see him improving. Devontae Graham played a lot of minutes. He also missed a lot of shots. What's new there? 15 points with five threes, four assists and a steal, but he's getting by by giving you assists, giving you steals and hitting threes, and that's enough to have value in fantasy. You've got to be punting field goals. You can't almost can't win them with him because he just cannot hit a shot. Well, Terry Rogier was very, very good. 22 points, five Five assists, two steals, and a block. Rogier has been someone, obviously, I'm massively surprised by. I didn't think he was even going to be able to maintain a starting role this year, and he has been amazingly good. Miles Bridges, without Gordon Haywood, stepped up. 12 points in 29 minutes. Um, I stepped up. I mean, he played more minutes, but he's still just completely blur. I think he's rostered in far too many 12-team leagues. He's fine to have, but he's more of just a stream sort of guy, while Biombo's a drop to me, 10 and 8. And Caleb Martin was the spot start in place of Gordy Haywood. He had uh, five points there with four assists and three steals, which is pretty nice to get those peripherals, but one of seven from the field. He just goes back to being in the rotation. I better give, give a quick mention to Malik Monk, who hasn't played this year. 10 points in 23 minutes with Haywood's absence. He looked all right, but finding enough regular minutes for him, and especially enough regular minutes for him to be an impact player in fantasy leagues, is going to be pretty tough. You can be an impact player when you're using your sports knowledge to uh, to make yourself some money. The NFL playoffs are cracking on. The NHL season has started. The NBA season is going. There's plenty of ways for you to use that sporting knowledge. And there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust. BetOnline.ag. Set up, sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON and you will get a 50% welcome bonus. Yes, you want to go out and put your uh, player prop on LaMelo Ball? How many points he's going to score? Bet Online will have you covered. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action and don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet Online is your online sportsbook experts. Now, a lot of people have said to me, Josh, when you do an ad read, you often forget to do the second game, the second team in the game. Ha, I remembered. The Toronto Raptors. They still didn't start the wiki, Chris Boucher. It doesn't matter, much like LaMelo Ball. 25 and 10, two blocks, 30 minutes. He is that much better than the other centers on this team. It's not even funny. I hope you drafted him. I hope he's not on any waiver wire in your league. He should be on literally exactly zero waiver wires on any single league anywhere. And if your league does it, please hang your heads in shame. 
Um, I didn't think he'd be this good because I just didn't think Nurse would trust him with these minutes. Awesome stuff though, 25 and 10. Lowry had 16, 6 and 12, and Pascal Siakam had 15, 7 and 4 with three steals and a block. Boucher, interestingly, in points leagues, the 58th ranked player this season. He's the 34th ranked player in category leagues. Just amazing stuff. Well, Siakam starting to come along. He had another 34 fantasy points today. He's the 30th ranked player in points leagues now and up to 51st in category leagues. The Jedi, OG Ananobi. But what about Scarf? OG. Blizzard, stop OG. Uh, you better stop OG. Just a nice, well-rounded performance. 13 and 5 with two threes, three steals, and a block. He's comfortably in the top 75. You don't know how many people have come to me over the last week or two weeks. Josh, is it time to drop OG? No, of course it isn't. Even in points leagues, he had 32 today, and he's the 93rd ranked player. No need to drop Ananobi. But I'll tell you whose ass can get all the way out of here. Storm and Norman Powell. I think Nurse hates him now. 11 points, 20 minutes. He turned up to the season looking fat. He can't hit shots. He's completely off on everything. Um, I would drop him. I've got no problem with that. Maybe he comes good later on, but I don't actually care because I don't think his upside is high enough to make me regret it. And that's the sort of decision. You know, when I talk about guys like Boyan Bogdanovich as well, like, oh, maybe, yeah, look, maybe he comes good and then he has a season where he's the 110th best player. Like, oh, well, who cares? It's not like I'm dropping a top 50 or a top 60 or a top 70 guy. If I have to drop a guy who, when he comes back, best case can maybe be top 90, but I have, to, but then I miss out on his one month of top 200 performances, I'm okay with it. So that's how I like to approach those. And it might you have that regret and you go, oh, what if he comes back? What if he does those things? And then when he comes back, see, I knew I shouldn't have done it. But the interim time when you got rid of one of the worst players in the NBA, which is how Powell's playing a lot of the time at the moment, and you've used it to stream or to add other blokes, um, is is more important in, in those cases than getting the guy to be your 12th best player when it comes to fantasy playoff time. That's how I view it anyway. Aaron Bain started with Alex Len out and had two points in eight minutes. And man, the, uh, the drop-off from Alex Len has been, uh, or Alex Len from Aaron Baines, has been pretty aggressive, unfortunately, for Bainesy. He, is, he was good to start last year. To end last year, he wasn't. And now he also is not good anymore at an NBA level. Next game, the Houston Rockets. The shell of the Houston Rockets beat the San Antonio Spurs 109. So let's go through who wasn't there. John Wall, Eric Gordon, Daniel House, Dante Exum, Rowdy Rodion's Kurooks, of course, Chris Clemens, James Harden is gone, and Victor Oladipo, who is allegedly coming across, um, was not there either. Now, that trade is done, the Harden trade, but the Oladipo and Levert trade is not done. That is interesting, because now Oladipo is coming in, I want to go to Miami. Good on you, Vic. Oh, good on you. Is... Are the Rockets, look, they've currently got Levert at the moment. So do they hang on to Levert? Do they do the Levert for Oladipo swap with Oladipo going to Miami and they get pieces from Miami? There are still some questions to be answered there with Houston because I'm not sure about that part of that trade not going through, which is which is interesting to me, the fact that that hasn't happened yet. Normally, I just put through that, you know, Oladipo's yeah, bitching and moaning about not being in Miami. So that doesn't mean anything, but it hasn't gone through. It has not gone through. So, without all of those guys, let's start with Jay Sean Tate, NBL represent. 13, 5, and 10, two blocks, 50% shooting. I've been talking about Tate all year of how good he's looked as a rotation player, but let me throw this out there right now. Jay Sean Tate is not a 12-team league ad, and I'll tell you why. He was running as a point guard here. He's been playing backup center during the season, and he was very, very good at it. But he's also going to fall behind John Wall, Eric Gordon, Daniel House, and then either Levert or Oladipo, whichever one of those guys is there, or depending on what they do in terms of Miami. But there are a bunch of guys who are going to come into the rotation. Jay Sean Tate is not playing 33 minutes a night, and he is not a primary point guard for the Houston Rockets. None of that is happening. 
So if you want to add him to stream for one more game, by all means, try that. Um, but yeah, I don't think that there's any... I don't think there's any uh, any need to look at him as a long-term um, 12-team league option just based on this game because, obviously, there's a lot here that is very, very unsustainable. And the same goes with Sterling Brown. 37 minutes for Sterling, 23-7 and seven with two steals and three threes. You know how many minutes Sterling Brown was playing beforehand? Actually, zero. He wasn't in the rotation. Oh, yeah, Harden's gone. That's fine, but Harden is about to be replaced literally directly for Victor Oladipo, maybe. But look, if that's how it goes, the Harden minutes, they go and Oladipo takes them. So it doesn't mean Sterling Brown's coming in and go, well, Harden's gone, so now he's playing 35 minutes. Great game. Fantastic game. Looked good. I like Sterling Brown. I like how he plays, but he has not been a regular contributor. We had 15 minutes of Kenyon Martin Jr. and 14 minutes of Mason Jones. We also had 21 minutes of Ben McLemore doing whatever that was because it wasn't basketball. 3-3 and 4 for McLemore. 31 minutes of David Nwaba, who doesn't know how to dribble. Um... Yeah, so there's a lot of weirdness here with this one. Crucifix Christian Wood, great. 27 and 15, three blocks. We thought his value would go up with the Harden trade, just getting a little bit more usage. And yeah, we, we saw that here. Although, of course, this is a weird situation. Cousins played a little bit alongside him. It was terrible. And Cousins ended with 18 minutes, nine and four. I am pretty ready to move on from DeMarcus Cousins, I think, at this point. It's going to take a Wood injury for him to come in and be 12-team valuable. Calden... Johnson, wow. 29 and 6, two threes, one steal, one block, 75% shooting. Someone asked me today, and they were being serious, and this gives you an indication that maybe it's a sell high. They said, oh, any chance of Calden Johnson being top 30 the rest of the year? No, there's not. But that's how good he is, and that's how well he's performing. He's a clear top 100, absolute guarantee must roster player. He's not a top 30 player, but he's been awesome. Um, DeJounte Murray, 10, 8, and 7 with 5 steals. Well, Devin Vassell got another 3 steals. This guy is great at steals. I think Vassell might be starting for this team next year. I think they'll go with a DeJounte, Derek White, Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell, 1, 2, 3, and 4. I think DeRozan and Aldridge will be out of here. Uh, I think they'll go just super young, and I'm intrigued to see it. DeRozan was back, 13, 6, and 7. Didn't shoot well. And Lonnie Walker played okay, had an issue with his thumb. 16 points in 25 minutes for Lonnie. Not a lot else. Um, this is why I wasn't massively keen on him as a must-roster player. DeRozan's back. The value dropped. He's more of that 14-team league guy. Well, LaMarcus Aldridge, yeah. I know he's old. He's 34. Has the drop-off come? Feels like it. 11 points in 30 minutes. He's still, despite stinking, the 140th-ranked player this season, which is not great, but it's not terrible. Uh, in a points league, he's 94th. Again, not great, but not terrible. Still worth holding. I think he can be a little bit better than what he is. So I'm not dropping yet, but man, it is pretty bloody close. It's pretty close. And he just looks like he's he's completely rooted, like he's not out there. Two boards, no defensive stats, and drop-offs come. Unless you're LeBron James, at some point, you're going you're gonna to hit a wall. We saw it with Paul Millsap last year. We're seeing it with LaMarcus Aldridge at the moment. And once it happens, it's pretty unlikely it comes back. So if you do, if you're in a 10-team league, I, I think that you've got to consider him at, you gotta have, you got to consider him a drop. That doesn't mean that he's an automatic drop, but you've got to start considering that with how poorly he is playing and how poorly he's moving around on the court. Now, some of this is the knee issue, but when you're 35 years of age, does that knee issue just keep lingering and lingering and lingering? Because I think that is a distinct, distinct possibility. One one last thing on LaMarcus Aldridge, actually. Um, his three-point percentage is like 28%. So I think there is some scope for him to be able to improve that. Um 
yeah, I think his block numbers maybe aren't coming back. But a lot of what he's doing is not far off his per 36 type numbers. It's his three-point percentage that's really hurting at the moment. So there is some scope for him to improve there. So don't completely write him off because if that three-point percentage gets back to 33, 34, then I think he's, uh, he's doing all right in that scenario. All right, let's go on to the next game. Um, the Indiana Pacers beat the Portland Trailblazers comfortably in the end. They win 111-87. No Karis LeVert yet for Indiana. Malcolm Brogdon had 25-7 and with three threes and three steals. Continues to be amazing. While Sabonis did have a bit of a bang knee at the end, but played through it. 38 minutes, 23 and 15, and another four blocks from Miles Turner. And look at those minutes. 37 for Turner, as opposed to the bullshit that Nate McMillan was running last year, playing him 28, 29 minutes. Turner is absolutely dominating at the moment. uh, Timothy John McConnell returned. He played 21 minutes. He did what he does. He had eight assists and he had three steals. And he has some stream value just in those categories only. While Justin Holiday started next to Edmund Sumner, they did very little. Now, there's still two more games left. Actually, let me rephrase. The Pacers' five-game week is gone because one of those games got postponed. So there's only one game left for these Pacers players. So if you want to drop a Justin Holiday or an Aaron Holiday uh, because there is only one game left, then uh, I, th- I think that's an understandable move because they don't have that back-to-back over the weekend anymore due to the postponement of their game against Phoenix. For the Blazers, let's talk about the news because Yusuf Nurkic broke his wrist. 21 minutes for Nurk before he went down. Um, this is rough. This is probably going to cost him a month minimum. If he has surgery, two months we're looking at here. If you are in a scenario where you have filled IR slots and those guys aren't coming out for any time soon, maybe it's maybe it's Jaron Jackson, maybe it's um, Derek White, I reckon you've got to consider dropping Nurkic. Now, that's hard to say because he's been struggling, obviously. We know the potential there and he was starting to look good. But if you're going to miss a month, that's a third of the remaining games. You missed two months. That's two-thirds of the remaining games. And if you don't have an injured reserve slot, um, he's probably going to have to go. But I would like to hear a diagnosis. We've heard a diagnosis. It's a fractured risk. wrist. I'd like to say whether it's three to four weeks, non-surgical, probably closer to four, or if it's a two-monther. Uh, that I think even in a four-week situation, he's got to be considered a drop in those scenarios. Not again. It's not just, oh, Nurkic, see you later. It's not just that. It's about a lot of other factors. But I think... In some of those situations, you'd want to consider it. But if it is two months, then it is almost impossible to hold on to someone for that long. And I think you'd have to consider doing that. Lillard had 22 and 6 in 36 minutes. McCullum had 22 with four assists and a steal. Bit of a down game from McCullum, who was always going to come back to earth. But let's talk about the additions here. Who could replace Nurkic? Enes Kanter played 15 minutes only. Four and nine. This was, again, a blowout. So we got 11 minutes of Harry Giles. Now, I think Cantor's a guy to add for sure, but his upside is nowhere near as high as Nurkic's. He might be a top 80 guy, a top 90 guy. They could also just say, screw this shit. And Stotts has been leaning towards it and just play Covington and Carmelo Anthony as the four and the five. Uh, I think that will give people who have Covington a, a sense of hope. It should, because he's been terrible. We'll get on to him in a second. So Cantor's an ad. Harry Giles in deeper leagues, not in 12s, not in 14-team leagues for Harry Giles. Uh, in, in deeper leagues, I would add him. What, again, I think this does, though, is it helps Covington because his field goal percentage is way off. Like, he cannot hit shots at all, and he's not blocking any shots at all. Play him at center. The field goal percentage should come back up. He was 59% on twos last year, and his block numbers, he was over two per 100 possessions last year. Those numbers should come back up because the way things were going, Covington's a drop. 
the, the way that it was trending, he was going to be a drop. Now, let's hold. Let's see how much they run those lineups with him at center with no Cantor or no Giles. That's going to put a cap on Cantor and on Giles' upside as well. But I think it gives a little bit of hope for Covington. And Carmelo Anthony will probably get some more minutes. That will make this team considerably worse. He is not a 12-team league ad. He's a, a stream guy for a day like today. A short-term ad for some points. Not much more than that. But even today, he played 22 minutes and had 10 points. Derek Jones had three blocks. That's all he is. He's an option to get blocks and steals and not much more because he is really not that good. But this is a brutal blow if you drafted Nurkic like I did, as you're all well aware. Um, and if you're the Portland Trailblazers, it does give uh, you know, Cantor that boost. And hopefully, it gives Robert Covington a boost, a guy that I wasn't drafting, but he has obviously been horrible so far this year. This is an absolute blowout loss there for the Portland Trailblazers, which I'm sure they're not that happy about. All right, let's go on to the last game of the night. The Golden State Warriors go down to the Nuggets, 114-104 in the end. Pretty poor loss, but Steph Curry broke out of his slump, 35-11 and 11 in 37 minutes with five threes and two steals on 61% shooting. And it's great to see a big game from James Wiseman. 27 minutes. Now, Wiseman's not a top 200 player so far this season, but 27 minutes, 18-5, and five, one steal, two blocks, and 60% shooting. 62% shooting. Now, his shooting had been poor. His free throws were poor. His minutes were down. Some of this is some extra minutes in the blowout towards the end, and that's worth factoring in. But that's a strong indication uh, there of what he can do when he gets the minutes. It's just getting those minutes that has been tough for him. Also, a decent enough night from Kelly Oubre. Yeah, the shooting was still rough, but 14-5-2 and two in 30 minutes, a steal and a block. Nearly everything outside of his shooting has been as normal which is the real you know, frustrating thing about it, is if that shooting comes back, then the numbers are going to be okay for him. Well, Wiggins wasn't great either. 16 points, no threes. Still had a block, which has been really huge for him. Tough night for Draymond Green. One point in 25 minutes. He did have seven assists, and he had a steal, but 0 of 2 from the field, 1 of 4 from the line. He's outside the top 150 this season. He is really struggling. I am still holding Draymond, but maybe the top 100 is a little bit of a stretch. Now, the 25 minutes is not ideal either as he works his way back um, from that injury that cost him the start of the season. But that's still too low for Draymond Green. Like Steph's playing 37 minutes. We need to see more of that from Draymond. I am holding him, but it's pretty rough. Big Chungus. Nikola Jokic had another big one, 23, 14, and 10, three steals, 50% shooting, seven of seven from the line. He is the number one player in fantasy basketball, while Paul Millsap played only 23 minutes, but filled the stat sheet, 12, four, and four, three steals and a block. That's He's a perfect streamer for days like this, but he's not a must-roster player. Jermichael Green also had a big night, 15 and nine, while with no Gary Harris and no Michael Porter, it was Will Barton and Monty Morris. 11 points for Morris in 32, 17, four, and three for Will Barton. They have that short-term value. Not sure they're going to maintain 12 teamers. While their headmaster, Jamal Murray, it's rough for him at the moment. 33% shooting. 17, 9, and 6 is not bad with two steals, but the shooting's off, and there is an issue with his elbow. So I'd be still trying to buy low on Murray, who's not a top 80 player so far this season. We have to wait until his elbow gets better, which I don't know when that's going to be, but there is definitely some upside for him to improve. Bol Bol got another start in place of Harris. He played nine minutes and had four points. He is not ready for regular NBA rotation minutes, let alone starting, and he will go back out of the rotation uh, as soon as Harris returns and then be even further down when Mick Porter is back. Let's have a look at your monstrous... No, actually, let's not get to that yet. Let's look at the top ads. 
John Ray Jordan's up 46%. Makes sense. You'd want to add him. I've already talked about Ennis Cantor. He's not on this list because this obviously was over the last 24 hours. Precious Achua up 44%. That's not a long-term thing. If you added him, you can move on to add an Ennis Cantor perhaps. Lonnie Walker up 26%. I don't believe that Lonnie is a must-roster 12-team league player, but some of that is streaming for today. Same with the 12% up for Monty Morris and the 11% up for Aaron Holiday. Holiday, you can drop. Morris, you can uh, probably you know, feel pretty confident about moving on from. The drops, Flaming Mo Wagner is down 12%, but I'm not convinced that's the right move. Um, yeah, Wagner didn't play a huge amount of minutes last game. I still thought he was relatively productive. I would have given one more game to see what happens with him. Austin Rivers down 8%. That's the right move. Taylor Horton Tucker down 7%. That's the right move. Jay Crowder down 7%. That's also the right move. Peyton Prichard down 7%. Let's see. Maybe there's an opportunity for him on Friday. But if you're looking long-term, it's not going to be uh, there for Peyton Prichard to be a regular 12-team league contributor. The monstrous line of the night goes to Steph Curry, who was fantastic, 35 points, 11 rebounds, hit another 5-3, shot the ball well. He is, so far this season, the 14th ranked player. That will come up after today's game. He's averaging 28-6, and six, but shooting just 43% from the field. This is a guy that in his heyday was like 49-50%. to 50%. So there is some significant room for him to improve there. Only 37% on threes, but over the last bit of time, that has kicked up as well. So he has been awesome. I think he's going to come in and be a guy that we look at towards that top four, top five, rest of the season type area. His usage is high, although it has tailed off a little bit, but that's probably a function of those two games against the Pacers and against the Toronto Raptors. And your rookie of the night is LaMelo Ball. He was great again, 14-6-11 with three steals and a block. He's the 61st ranked player this season in only 25 minutes, averaging 12-7-6 with 1.6 steals and shooting just a true shooting of 51%. So obviously room for improvement there, hitting 34% of his threes, 69% from the line. Giggity! and 41% from the field. But the counting stats are great. He's super impressive to watch as well. Um, yeah, he's uh, it's, it's some really, really good stuff from LaMelo Ball to be your rookie of the night. Let's move on. Talk DFS Friday's games on Fangio. Let's get into it. All right, the first game of the night, the Boston Celtics hosting the Orlando Magic. The Celtics are without Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown, Shemi Ojale is questionable, as is Daniel Tyson, Javante Green, while Grant Williams and Tristan Thompson are probable. Kemba Walker is out. For the Magic, there's no Michael Carter-Williams. There's no Evan Fournier, so there'll be Cole Anthony. James Ennis and Dwayne Bacon as the starting one, two, and three. That almost made me vomit in my mouth. All right, Marcus Smart, 6,200. Is it a little bit too high? Maybe. But with Tatum out, Smart should get the usage to at least you know, put up over 30. So I do like it. Cole Anthony's at 45 on Fangio, which is, uh, he's been underwhelming for sure, but I don't mind it as a GPP. Well, 9,000 for Jalen Brown. Now, if Jalen does play, he's going to have so much usage in this game that I think that he will just bludgeon his way to that, even if it is an off shooting night. Aaron Gordon's at 6,500. He's been handling the ball more. He's been playing at a higher level. He's playing more minutes. I'm okay with him at 6,500 in this one, while Vooch is at 9,400. Now, Vooch has been dominating. He's averaging almost 50 FanDuel points over the last three games. Is it enough for me to use him at that price? Probably not. I wonder who starts for Teague, uh, for, Teague, for Tatum. That was a Freudian slip. Will it be Jeff Teague? Will it be Peyton Pritchard? Will it be Shemi Ojale? I can't imagine they start an Ojale-Thompson-Tice 3-4-5 combination. So I think it might be Teague that gets in there. He's at 4,700, so it's a little high. And Peyton Pritchard's at 5,200, also a little high. But you could throw one of those guys into a GPP. I wouldn't feel particularly good about it, but I think that's going to be the direction they go. I, I just can't see... 
I can't see them going with Ojale unless they decide because Rob Williams is out that they bring Tice off the bench or Thompson off the bench and start Ojale at the four that way. Um, that's a possibility there too. So that lineup, that starting lineup, is going to have a lot to do with how we view the Celtics from a DFS perspective. The next game is the Mavericks and the Bucks. No Finney Smith, no Richardson, no Kleber, and no Dwight Powell for Dallas. While Tory Craig looks like he's back for Milwaukee. Kristaps Porzingis is back. Porzingis. He is probable, so he'll be fine. Drew Holiday's probable as well. Jimmy Johnson's at 4,200. He was a really good stat stuffer last game. Not much changes here, so I like that. Brook Lopez at 49 looks like good value to me as well. While Cauley Stein at 5,000, it might be a little bit too high, but he played really well next to Porzingis with 34 fan jewel points. And Yanni's at 11-3. I think this game stays relatively close, even though the spread is six. So I like Yanni. I like Luca at 11-6 as well. Luca's dropping 68 a game over the last three. Trey Burke is going to get opportunities, but I don't like it from a DFS perspective. And I think Tim Hardaway is only really a GPP guy. Punch Bob's at 5,900, and that is too high for Punch Bob, considering that I think he's a little bit inconsistent, and I wouldn't want to spend that salary on him. The Knicks and the Cavs. It appears we might get Jared Allen and Torian Prince being available. Not confirmed yet, but they are not on the injury report. For reference, the guys today for the Rockets were on the injury report as you know, pending trade. That trade is official now, so those guys might be available to play. And then what the hell does that do to Andre Drummond? Um, Sexland is out for Cleveland. Uh, Dalvadova's out. Kevin Love's out. Kevin Porter's out. So a bunch of guys are out. Dylan Windler is out as well. Uh, Osmond's at 5,100, the big Chetty. Now, his shooting is horrendous most of the time, but I don't mind him with all those absences. Now, Torian Prince might cut into his playing time, but that's still a big might. While Isaac Okoro's at 4,000. He actually beat that number last time out, which amazingly, considering how shit he's been, um, I still wouldn't be totally in on him. Damo Dotson probably gets another start. He's at $5,000. He was also poor last game, but prior to that, had been really good, and I don't mind getting back on him. Uh, 6000 for Mitch Robinson. And Mitch Robinson says, I'll take it from here. Robinson is basically just getting us 32, 33 points a night and playing 31, 32 minutes, which is awesome for where he's been in the past. I I like him as a floor guy. I wouldn't want to use Drummond. I wouldn't want to use Jared Allen. How about the double royal Julius Randle? The Cavs are the NBA's number one defense, amazingly. Um, I don't think that really should limit your exposure to Julius Randle here. I think he's worth a look. And I think Rowan Barrett at 63 is at least a GPP guy. You cannot trust him at all in terms of floor value for cash, but there is some GPP value in him. Jarrett Allen at 72 is just an absolute monster of a stay away. No way. Yeah, no way that I'd want to use him at that price. Next up is the Grizzlies and the Wolves. Ja Morant might be back. He's listed as questionable, but I tell you who won't be playing, Ricky Rubio or Juancho Hernan Gomez. So there are some big openings in the rotation for the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Wolves are favored by three, which if Morant plays, just smash the absolute shit out of that. I do not understand that line at all. 224 is the total. Will they finally man up the Wolves? I shouldn't have said man up. I don't like that phrase. Terrible phrase. Anyway, Jared Vanderbilt, 4,200. Will they start him? Well, I don't know. It's pretty intriguing. Uh, he has, does have foul trouble, and he does have some playing issues for sure, but he had a 35-point game in the last five, so I think he's at least a GPP guy. Brandon Clark, rock solid at 5,600, while Anthony Edwards, some talk he might start at the four, which would be pretty rough. He is averaging a robust 11 points over the last three games. Uh, he's been absolutely shitful. At 4,500, though, there is at least some GPP value. I like D'Angelo Russell at 7,500, and Xavier Tillman at 3,700. He gets 20 a night. And at 3,700, you get 20 as the backup center. What more can I complain about? 
6,400 for Malik Beasley looks all right. Or Carl Anthony Towns at 10,000, I'd be in. 10-8 is probably pushing it a little bit too far. And if Morant does play, I wouldn't want to use him first game back at 85. But it also takes away guys like Melton and Jones and Desmond Bain and Grayson Allen uh, from having the level of utility that you'd require given their current salary situation. The Bulls and the Thunder. When the hell was the last time we saw the Chicago Bulls play? Larry Markkinen's back. Sadoransky and Hutchison aren't, but Markkinen is back as is Archer Jackano. For the Thunder, Al Horford will return after resting last game. He's at 5,500. I think he gets close to 30 here against the Bulls. I like that. Uh, Gildas Alexander at 82. I wouldn't be super keen. While 5,600 for Wendell Carter, I think is at least worth a look, although I'd probably find better options like Al Horford. At $100 cheaper. Kobe White's at 64. That seems just ludicrously low. There is still going to be some concern about how things work with Pat Williams, Otto Porter, Larry Markin, and Thad Young, Wendell Carter in that 3-4-5 position. So it limits a lot of those guys. While Zach Levine's at 9,000. And this dude has been putting up the big, big boys. He's averaging 51 over the last five. Um, the defensive matchup against the Thunder doesn't worry me too much. I would like Levine at 9,000 a lot. I wouldn't like Porter or Markinen or Patrick Williams or MC Hamadou Diallo. He's at 4,700. I think he's at least a GPP guy, but I reckon he gets a little bit overrated at times. And that salary isn't too high to completely preclude him, but it's also not one that's uh, massively appealing. The Hawks, the Jazz, the Jazz is six-point favorites. The total is 224. Jinglin Joe Ingles is out. Clint Capella is questionable, as is Rajon Rondo, while Bogdan Bogdanovich is out. But Onyeka Okongwu is ready to make his season debut. Boyan Bogdanovich is at 43. It's a good GPP play, as is Rudy Gobert at 8,000. Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert. Um... Will they start Cam Reddish again? Probably. He's at 4,500. I don't love his fantasy value, but I do love Jordan Clarkson. 5,200 here with no Ingles. He's going to get more ball handling in the second unit. Love that. I like Conley a little bit at 69 as well. Giggity. And DeAndre Hunter at 6,000. Yeah, I don't mind it. I'm still not fully in on him. 8,800 for Trey Young looks to be a pretty appealing price to me, though. The next game, one of the late games, it is the New Orleans Pelicans traveling to the Los Angeles Lakers. No spread or total here. Lonzo Ball is out. Eric Bledsoe is questionable. Anthony Davis is questionable. LeBron James is questionable. Wesley Matthews is questionable. A whole bunch of questionable guys. The only guy I'm really worried about missing here is Matthews and Bledsoe. And if Bledsoe is out, then we're firing up Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Now, fans will fight him up already at 5,500. So even though Lonzo's out, if Bledsoe plays, I wouldn't want to use Alexander-Walker at 5,500. I think they'll start uh, Hart and Bledsoe over Alexander Walker, if that is the case. Anthony Davis at 9,800 against his former team. Not that that really matters, but that price is down given that Davis's level of production, so I like that. LeBron's at 99, looks all right to me. And uh, Zion's at 77. I don't mind using Zion, who's averaging 41 over the last three games. He also missed last game that Alexander Walker went off in, and that's going to take some of the ball out of Nikhil's hands. Not that Nikhil thinks the ball should ever come out of his hands. I like Bledsoe at 53. If he does indeed play, there is some value in him. 88 for Ingram, I think, is probably just a little bit too high, though, in my mind. The last game of the night, it is your Sacramento Kings hosting the LA Clippers. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have been firing up, but there could be a guard issue here with the Clippers because both Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams are listed as questionable. If they're both out, I'd expect Luke Kennard to start. 
Or maybe they just go wild and put Nick Batum at point guard and bring Marcus Morris in. But then their second unit, man, what the hell happens there? Amir Coffey? Is that who's going to have to step up? Terrence Mann? Is he going to have to be the point guard? Probably. Beverly's at 4,000. He's been exceeding that number every game. So if he plays, I like him at that salary. Well, De'Aaron Foxy Fox at 7,300 looks strong, as does Tyrese Halliburton at 54. Good value in all DFS formats for both of those blokes. Kawhi's at 96. I'm a fun guy. <laughs> and the Beatle Paul George is at 88. Strong value for both of those guys. While Rashawn Holmes is up to 7,200. That hasn't really mattered because he's been exceeding that number recently. I'm not sure I want to use him against the Clippers, but I'm also not not sure that I want to use him against the Clippers. And because I just like hearing the sound, the pencil Harrison Barnes. Barnesy. I think it's 6,600 with Paul George and Kawhi defending him and Nick Batum out there. 66 is too high for Barnsley, who's averaging 31 over his last five. He has been playing well, but I don't think that is the ideal scenario for Harrison Barnes. All right, that'll do it for me today and for this week with the recaps. Remember, the recaps do not happen after Friday games, after Saturday games. You'll still get content on the weekend, weekly previews, top 20 in fantasy, and some what to watch fors will be coming out, just not the fully-fledged recap show. Don't forget, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on YouTube. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.